Welcome to Now Playing, the movie review podcast. The caller is in the house. The calls are coming from the house. Get up! We are putting a little extra stuffing in your stocking. Arnie, Brock, and Stewart are reviewing Black Christmas. I see Billy still gets a Christmas present. But before you unwrap your present, know that this podcast contains harsh language and spoilers for the films. So if you listen before you watch the films, then there will be no surprises for you Christmas morning. Merry Christmas, motherfucker! Today we're talking about Black Christmas, the 2006 remake, starring Katie Cassidy, Michelle Trachtenberg, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Oliver Hudson, Lacey Chabert, Kristen Cloak, and Andrea Martin, directed by Glenn Morgan. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. Stewart in L.A. Billy, it's me, Arnie. <laughs> I got some Christmas cookies. The sad part is you knew a Billy growing up, and I knew him too, and he was capable of some of the things we saw in this movie. But he didn't have yellow skin. <laughs> he did not. As far as I know, his liver worked perfectly fine. He could fine. have been for all we know. <laughs> so we are back again with a special podcast celebrating the the holiday. Ce- celebrating <laughs> us getting nominated for a podcast award. Let's get this right. 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 We're supposed yeah, to be on holiday. Very little do with Santa or anything. It's really about us and getting awards. And I just want to thank all the little people that made all it possible. All the people who voted and got us nominated. But... Yeah, we, we, we actually want to win this thing. So we decided to cancel our holiday vacation and instead watch two slasher films because we know that's what our listeners want. And when I agreed to do Black Christmas, I didn't sign on for a remake, too. But once we found out there was a remake, I was like, we, we should do it. And now we have two for the price of one, folks. And we're just hoping that you will take this gift and vote for us to win the podcast awards. And we would be grateful for that. And Hey, it was either this or Hulk Hogan's Santa with muscles. And I think we got more laughs out of this one. What do you think, guys? Hey, I was pushing for last airbender. (laughs) That's true. We could have done the airbender, too. And may still. I'm pushing for a Shyamalan series. But, yes, just a reminder right up the top. You can vote every day until December 15th. Every single day, your parents can vote every day till December 15th. Your children can, from a different computer than where you voted, vote every day. Your dog can vote every day. Well, no, the dog can't because he doesn't probably have his own computer at doggy school. But he might have his own email. They do in L.A. I'm sorry. (laughs) Dogs drive better cars than I do. (laughs) (laughs) But you can vote every day. And please get out the vote because we're here. We're watching... 2006's Black Christmas? Really? (laughs) (laughs) A movie I was planning to live my whole life and never seeing. And I actually wanted to see this because I'm a Michelle Trachtenberg fan from her days on Buffy and because of my wife I've seen that ice skating movie at least six times. (laughs) What are you talking about? Because my biggest beef, not my biggest, but one of my big confusions about black christmas 2006 i cannot tell these chicks apart i don't know who any of them are except for lacy who's grown quite a bit since she was the little pipsqueak on party of fox i i knew lacy because of lost in space but oh gosh (laughs) yeah 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 well i also knew mary elizabeth winstead i'm a big fan of hers since sky high but of course she was in die hard four and of course Stuart and i talked about her in scott pilgrim versus the world earlier this year she was great. That was my introduction to her, and, and I did like her in that movie. This movie, I don't know that I noticed. 
Well, Michelle Trachtenberg was the hoisted-upon little sister of Buffy named Dawn in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is where I was introduced to her. You may have seen her in Harriet the Spy, if you saw that. I didn't. I also really like her in Eurotrip, which I think is an underrated classic. So, But she certainly was a face that I recognized. But, Stuart, I'm right there with you. And we'll talk about it right after you finish your plot summary. But I want to go into what you said before about the girls looking alike. Yeah, it made this plot summary a bit of a challenge, and I just kind of threw up my hands in the middle of the movie and been like, yeah, some chicks ran around, faces cut off, (laughs) ice ice skates. But basically, much like the original, the film begins with the strange man named Billy hiding in a sorority house, killing a girl named Claire, and taking her up to the attic and putting her corpse in a rocking chair with a bag over her head. But from that point on, Black Christmas 2006 kind of departs from the original storyline and delves into the origins of Billy Lentz and the sorority house he was born in beginning in 1970. Billy is a sickly little boy with a kidney disease that makes his skin pigment yellow and his crazy promiscuous mother proceeds to neglect him all through his childhood, finally locking him away in the attic after he witnesses her killing and burying his biological father underneath the house with her unnamed lover. Then in 1981, things get really perverse when Mama Lynch seduces the 12-year-old Billy and nine months later gives birth to Agnes. That's right. Billy's little sister and daughter is showered with gifts and attention in ways Billy always envied and wanted. And finally, after one Christmas without presents too many, he climbs down from the attic through portals in the house and proceeds to kill all of his family. Billy is discovered by the authorities eating the flesh of his mother and stepdad like they were Christmas cookies. I kid you not. After he ate his sister's eye. (laughs) Yes. And he's locked in a psych ward for the criminally insane. Agnes barely survives the stabbing, though she's lost sight in that eye, and she disappears into the world of adoption, presumably never to be seen again. Yeah, right. Well, the Lentz home is converted into a sorority house named Alpha Kappa, and Mrs. Mack, the longtime sorority mother, finds it amusing to honor the gory history of the place each year by making one sister draw the name of Billy Lentz and forcing her to get an absentee secret Santa present for their annual holiday exchange. Little does Miss Mac know that Billy has escaped captivity while impersonating Santa Claus and plans to make good on the holiday jingle, I'll be home for Christmas. But even before Billy has made his escape, sorority sisters are dying. Sister Megan doesn't return from exploring the sounds up in the attic, and suddenly the girl, other girls are getting prank phone calls from her cell phone. And this is where I started to really get confused. All I can say is that slowly women are getting it with icicles, ice skates, a rake. The girls are dropping right and left. And the filmmaker posits three primary suspects for who the accomplice to Billy might be. There's Kyle, who's a townie that's been sleeping his way through the sorority house. And he likes to secretly film sex with them and put it on the internet. And then there's this weird mousy chick named Eve, whose Christmas gift to the house is the very same glass unicorn statue used to kill Margot Kidder in the first film. And finally, there's Claire's half-sister, Lee. Claire was that girl that got killed in the beginning, and she was wrapping a gift for Lee. And this girl shows up unexpectedly in the middle of the night and claims to have once been a member of the house, despite Miss Mac not recognizing her. So we think it's got to be one of the three, right? 
Nope. In the end, it's this crazy grown-up Agnes who's either transgendered or a drag queen or just being played by a man and wearing a wig <laughs> and a green glass eye. And she and Billy proceed to chase Kelly, the survivor girl, through the house while it burns. The action moves to the hospital where Lee finally bites it and Kelly offs the other two, one by using a defibrillator and the other by kind of helping Billy over the stairwell banister and watching him impale himself on top of a Christmas tree. Wow, guys. Wow. All right. So (laughs) if the first Black Christmas was sort of the beginning of the modern slasher movie, I'm going to make the case that Black Christmas 2006 is the death of the screamified bratty young sister of the genre. This is the end of Scream and everything that that was trying to do with its snarky know-it-all take on slasher movies. This is it, right? The this they can't. It's dead after this. No more. Well, I don't think so because, as we'll see, this spring Scream continues to live on. But what I would say is that if Black Christmas 1974 created the horror cliches, Black Christmas 2006 used every single one of them. <laughs> It didn't. There wasn't one idea it had about how to make a Christmas ornament or or icon into something awful that it didn't use. I mean, they use everything they could think of, from putting severed eyes on the tree to oh, yeah. you know taking an angel cookie cutter and chopping out flesh out of dead bodies and baking them. Really making me wonder if the cookie cutters are that sharp. <laughs> I, I'm like, could you do that? Candy cane yeah. is a stabbing. I like Kitty Kane Shanks. I'm going to use that one next time <laughs> someone gets on my bad side. Because I don't like Kitty Kings, and they're everywhere. So it's not a thing for me to just pull that out and be like, the end. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I can take this movie for that. Absolutely. Lordy. Well, I decided we had to do this movie because when we were doing Black Christmas, Stuart's like, ah, we can just do the original. And I'm like, sure, we can just do the – there's an original. And then I read on Wikipedia about the sequel, about this jaundiced yellow killer who eats his mother for Christmas cookies. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is the movie I want to see. <laughs> I knew. I, I knew the second the boy was yellow. I was like, okay, this is what Arnie was implying. Like, yellow killer. Like, how does that even work? I mean, at Christmas time, yellow snow. Like, I mean, how are you going to hide at Christmas you're yellow? That's, that doesn't work. All I could think of was Sin City. Mm, I didn't think of Sin City once. Well, with the yellow killer and all of that, I just, I was like, why is he yellow? Where were they getting that? And, you know, Elijah Wood and Sin City. I was just thinking The Simpsons. Those are the only yellow people I know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the movie starts, and I I liked how it opened up, though, with the man in the bag. And one thing I'm going to give this movie right off the bat is I loved its use of Christmas music. Agreed. But. It started with that old timey, the man with the bag, which was great because it, you know, it was paying homage to the fact that it's a remake of a really old movie at this point, 32 years old. So it's playing this old music and throughout it uses the Nutcracker suite to the best it's ever been used because really the Nutcracker is horrifying to watch. And here's here. <laughs> wait, the wait a minute. Wait, <laughs> you like the use of the Nutcracker suite in the slasher movie more than the actual ballet? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, 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 that, that tells me more about what you think about ballet than it does about what you think about the backpack. 
I, I want to tell you that I love the use of Nutcracker Suite here, but I will not go as far as to say what you said. I, I do enjoy watching the ballet. I thought The Man <laughs> in the Bag was the perfect song to use, not only because it's a fun, bouncy way to open the movie, but because the first death is the bag in the closet, like the first movie. I thought it was a great uh, song to tie into the first death. Although they got to poke out her eyes, and I just got to wonder, you know, they, they set that up. I actually anticipated the pen being used in some way, although I didn't know it was going to go into her eye. Was the whole eye thing that – was that like a play to Bob Clark's Christmas story and you'll poke your eye out? That's all I could think of, like, or you shoot your eye out, you know? That was the big yeah. thing. He wanted the BB gun, and, and he was afraid it was going to – blind him or rather all the guardians thought that he would shoot his eye out if he used it why is he obsessed with eyes in this movie what is the whole eye thing it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie i had no clue and i was wondering that too as to what was with the eyes now i guess it makes sense in the end because this early killer while billy is still locked up is agnes who billy poked her eye out and it's agnes who has the eye fetish and she's the one who does everything with the eyes, really, not Billy so much. Yeah, I guess she's just resentful that she doesn't have an eye anymore. And it's an eye for an eye. <laughs> and they really hit it home, though, later in the movie when the, when the, when the family murder happens. Then they have he steps on the eye and they had the, the eye next to the dolls and all that, too. So it, they really, really do hit the eye thing home. And I was wondering the same thing, you two. I, I just didn't understand it. I tried to go so far as thinking, well, they just wanted attention and they never got their, their parents' eyes on them, you know, that kind of thing. But I was like, <laughs> nah, it can't be no. that. It has to be because she's lost her eye. But uh, this begs the the other question, which, okay, we had some level of debate last movie about was there two killers and and everyone pretty much suspected that there was one who was crazy. Did you guys think there was going to be two? I absolutely did after we saw the backstory. When the movie first began, I thought it was just going to be Billy as last time. And now the movie spills its beans way early that it's a different movie because we get that scene early on in the psych ward where we see Billy. And so we know there's a Billy and he's yellow and he's the killer. I mean, it tells us right off the bat. So it's the opposite of the last movie. Before right. we knew nothing about the killer other than he was called Billy. This one, like, we're getting way too much. We're watching the mom drop tro and proceed <laughs> to, like, fuck him in a rocking chair. I mean, it's world's well, worst titty shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am same. not going to disagree. I had the same I had the same comment is that I felt last time we didn't know an, anywhere near enough about the killer and here we, we just find out way too much and I thought too that they were doing flashback scenes and they're going into and he was the one in the house in the beginning of the movie and when they did reveal it I had figured it out before they revealed it just because of logistics there's no way that person can be in more than one place at once I didn't figure it out for that it's just the fact that they they talk so much about the sister and they make it like a point four times over because this movie is going to hit you over the head with everything. They show the little girl moving to prove she's not dead. They then talk about how the little girl went to adoption. And I'm just sitting there like, OK, so which one of the sorority sisters is the little girl helping Billy? That's right. what I'm like the whole time. Well, Absolutely. Well, I, and then I thought they were implying that the the bug eyed weird sorority sister was Agnes because after the Agnes scene they flash right on her oh of course but she was total red herring I thought it was too obvious because she had the thick glasses and everything it was screaming eye problems yeah I really thought the person who was doing it was Melissa Michelle Trachtenberg character I thought she was Agnes 
I, I really thought, you know, the other two were two big red herrings. I figured it would be Michelle Trachtenberg because she was on Buffy. We wouldn't suspect it. Is she the one that got the ice skate in the face? In the back of the head. Yeah. 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 So when she died, I was really perplexed. So it was either going to be her or Lee because Lee is this woman that claims to have been in the house before, but the house mother doesn't remember her and she just shows up. But Lee was too old. Lee was too old, I think. I thought she was way outside the age range for that daughter. Given that this movie is so helpful as to give us actual calendar years for everything, well, Lee, I thought, was just a bit too old. If she, It was 1981 that she was born. I can believe that that woman was, well, no, maybe not. No, I, I, I took her in her 30s. And yeah, yeah, clearly. If not older. So I felt she was too old. But I also thought... She's kind of a weird-looking woman, that Kristen Cloak. I don't know her from anything, but she had kind of a weird Margot Kidder vibe to her, really. And yeah. I'm talking a later-day Margot Kidder. <laughs> oh. so I thought the mother in the flashback scenes was, at first, I thought that was Margot Kidder. And then as the scenes when I realized it wasn't her. Wouldn't that have been awesome if they had yes. done that? I mean, oh, they, yes. they did bring back uh, Phil Andrea from Martin. the old movie. Yeah, she's Mrs. Yeah. Mac now. Wouldn't it have been great if we had seen Margot as well? But of and course- what was she doing? I mean, other than dental work. <laughs> oh, I don't, like, I don't like it when you make fun of Margot Kidder. Aren't you just waiting for that Superman <laughs> retrospective? <laughs> I got lots of teeth jokes. I know the poor woman, and it, it is unfortunate and and co- and comically sad. But uh, you know what? I'm kind of glad that she hasn't been typecast, at least on film, as a crazy lady in this decade. In in real life, maybe forever. But you know, she would she, have been a great Mrs. Mac though, because she could have played the drunk to the hilt. Oh, I, I definitely feel like she would have been a good Mrs. Mac. But yeah, I I thought for sure that there were two people. I didn't even put two and two together that it wasn't Billy in the house or the timeline of when he broke out. I just was thinking that it was, again, a whodunit or who's helping do it in this case. Now, one thing I noticed right away in this movie was that it overcorrected. You know how sometimes you're driving and you go a little to the left and so you fix it so now you're going too far to the right? Mm -hmm. That's this movie because how many deaths did this movie have? Seventeen. (laughs) <laughs> and so many of them were right in the beginning. I'm like, there's a death every five minutes. Yeah. Compared to the last movie that ha- was virtually bloodless until the end. Here, it's like, well, there's a death. Oh, there's another death. There's another death. I couldn't believe the body count heaping up, starting with his breakout of that insane asylum. My Lord, this is just an incredibly high body count movie for a slasher flick. I mean, it's not Rambo four, but I, I, the worst problem for me is that I couldn't keep track of who these chicks were. They all had the same haircut. I'm like, you at least need to give me some variance. I mean, if (laughs) not an ethnic difference, at least a hairstyle difference, something, I mean, they're, they're in a room and all talking. I'm like, I literally couldn't tell who was who that's true. They all have similar names and just – it was it was hopeless. At a certain point, I just gave up. I still don't know. There's a scene they go outside and they open a car door and a head pops out. Who was that? <laughs> Eve, the bug-eyed girl. But I had the same, I had the same no, problem. No, 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 because her head's on top of the tree. No, her head popped out of the car. car and then later was on the tree. He put the head oh, on top of the tree. Came uh, home at the end of the movie. All the oh. bodies are in the attic. So – my problem was the two blonde girls. The blonde girl in the in the beginning of the movie, we have one blonde girl looking at a girl <laughs> having sex on the internet with looked like her, and then the other blonde girl was her. And I'm like, wait a minute, who was on the tape? 
Joey, who was on that page? <laughs> it was the blonde girl, Megan, apparently. But why was she in Megan's room? Then why was Megan watching herself on the internet? It was all so confusing. I thought, I honestly thought she was editing the video. Like she was making sex tapes and post, she was in post production of her sex tape because she's on the computer. She's clicking the mouse. I thought she was in Final Cut Pro. Yeah, uh, I just, yeah. I just didn't get it. And, and so I agree with you. All the names sounded the same. All the girls kind of looked the same, the blondes and the brunettes. And the only reason I could keep some of them different was because I recognized them for other projects they had been in. But since I'm not familiar with either of the blonde girls, I got them completely confused the entire movie. And what's funny is I know Lacey Chabert from Lost in Space and a couple other things. And I didn't recognize that as her until I'm like, all right, who's the brunette going under the house now? Wait, that's Lacey. Oh, she's dead. (laughs) (laughs) The only way that this actually works in its favor is I can honestly say, and you guys have said this about other horror movies, but I never have. But here I can say it. I had no idea who was going to be the final girl and live out of this movie. I had no idea who we were supposed to be rooting for because they were all the same girl to me. (laughs) I agree. Again, I thought it was Michelle Trachtenberger, Lacey Chabert, because those are the two I'd heard of. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do want to give props to one of them. I really enjoyed the performance, and I think – that so many times when people do this kind of performance, it's not appreciated enough. It's very hard to do what she did. It is the is the drunk girl, the one who had to throw up, the one who uh, was just mean and bitchy and, and basically played the Margot Kidder role pretty much. Uh, I thought she did a really great job. I liked her a lot. It's, hey, I thought she was good too, and I thought she played a better drunk than Margot Kidder and a far more sympathetic drunk. You actually felt bad for her as she hurled her brains out. Agreed. Completely. And and I, I knew, though, that if we're going to get a titty shot in this movie, it was going to be hers because. But we got the mom. We, we got Mrs. <laughs> yes. I'm at the story, that I'm at the that erases yeah. any any positive one could get about any nudity later in the movie. That <laughs> it really scene, does. It really is foul for all. Like, nobody wants to see an incest sex scene. No. Uh, Especially a, that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Well. You said you didn't know who the final girl was. We actually should all know her, though I didn't. <laughs> the final girl was played by Katie Cassidy, who was Chris on A Nightmare on Elm Street, who we all said we liked in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Who? The remake. Chris, the blonde. Did I like her in A Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you did. Uh, I'll be honest. At this point, eight months later, I don't even remember who that is. <laughs> Is she related to David Cassidy? Yes, that's right. That's what it is. She's David Cassidy's spawn. Yes. However, where I've seen most of these people before is in Final Destination, pretty much Final Destination 3, because the director and producer of the Black Christmas remake are known for their Final Destination films. A movie that is well regarded for its loving characters and distinct (laughs) personalities. (laughs) Yeah, I saw one of those. And it's all about, hell, you don't even know who Death is in those movies. Yeah, he's he's all about impersonal. Yeah, this guy, Glenn Morgan, the only other movie he's directed prior to this was that remake of Willard, the rat movie. Which wasn't very good either. Uh, no, it, it takes a lot to ruin a rap movie with one of my favorites. Crispin Glover. Yes, Crispin Glover. Yes. I love him. I saw that movie because of him. Yeah, well. And Arlie Ermey. Huh? But Glenn Morgan, I got to say, yeah, is, is not a Bob Clark. He is no. not taking the minimal gifts that he's been giving and spinning it into anything new. This is someone who is really just trying to grab at anything that'll fit. I really felt like there was a 
food processor quality to these kills and motives and that it was just anything goes. I mean, uh, why was Agnes and Billy in the same house at the same time? That I don't know. Any, anything in the sorority house kind of did lose me because I, too, was a little confused on who was who. But what I absolutely loved were all the flashback sequences. They were grotesque. They were repugnant. But yet they almost had this Christmas fable. Like I'm watching Scrooge because it's a flashback to an earlier time and they're playing Nutcracker Sweet. And it's, that I got as almost a parody because every time they're going back and Showing the dirty, drunk mother and saying, Santa's dead. He crashed his sleigh. You know, it's like, I I, I loved the atmosphere of those early scenes. I, I can't say I love it. I'm having a flashback to Texas Chainsaw 4 where you were saying how much you loved the rubes and I was just appalled. I, I didn't like, I don't, I think I have a problem with the the stereotypical inbred as it's presented in horror movies and this is yeah this this wasn't working for me this whole setup the whole idea that a family like this could live in a residence this large in a house that would eventually be co-opted two years later into a sorority house with no renovation none no painting no tearing down no expansion at all same house it just no i i didn't buy this as a setup at all I, I, was, I had problems with the house size as well. I didn't understand how this poor family or seemingly poor family could live in a big house like this. The flashback scenes grew tired to me. I, when the boyfriend came in about 30 minutes in and, and int- started like giving an introduction, it's almost like he was gonna, about to break into a song. You know how you can feel like a musical? In a musical, like someone's going to break into song any second. As soon as he started talking about how he's a townie or whatever and all that jazz, I was like, oh, crap, here comes another flashback scene. And, and I just got tired of them. I did find some of that horrific, and, and it just was like a gas that I was watching in that in an interesting way, like, oh, my God, they went there kind of stuff. But yeah, I it's just they Rob Zombie light. I mean, can we just agree this is Rob Zombie with a brighter, more painterly hue to its tone? It felt more parody-ish. But, yeah, I was also just aghast, and it was just so repugnant to see that incest scene and mm-hmm. just, oh, so graphic. Talking about losing you early, like, I checked out at that point. Like, not that they couldn't imply that Agnes was the product of that, but they really, really had to have the scene. They really had to watch her, like, drop the nighty. Ugh, yuck. But yet, I'm... Kind of glad they didn't try to make it sexy in any way. Yeah. I mean, they just made it as gross and dirty as it could be. <laughs> and, and Rod Zombie probably would have had a couple of uh, close-ups of the mother while she was rocking back and forth to them and then cut back to something else and cut back to the mother and cut back to something else. Here, you got the point and he moved on. As repugnant as what we saw was, he didn't linger there too long that – and in and, and other parts as well, when he was beating the with the rolling pin behind the counter, I was thinking Rob Zombie as well. It crossed my mind, but I was thinking, okay, Rob Zombie would show us the face of the guy getting killed in the ground a couple of times, then a swinging of the bat and see the face again. This guy just, at that point, kept it behind the counter, and we got the point. You know, it was enough for me to go, oh my fucking God, that's gross. Yeah. And move on. Exactly. I agree. Question for you. Young Agnes is a girl, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, did they put makeup on the girl? Because they, they look like they found a human garbage pail kid to play young Agnes. <laughs> well, oh. this, is what I, this is what I'm asking. Because later it's clearly a guy. So I'm wondering, was that just a casting choice? Or were we to understand that she had an incest child that was a boy that she called a girl? Oh. Oh, I didn't even think of that. 
I didn't either. I just thought it was a really manly woman like my grandmother. No, like, maybe, yeah, but you see my point. Like, maybe it was like, I want a little girl. I will just have to make this thing into a little girl. And thus why it grows up to be so angry. Here's what's really funny is I can't find out who played the adult Agnes. Right. It's not listed on IMDb or the credits or wiki well, they, or anything. Well, maybe they she wasn't played by anybody, Arnie. Maybe she actually exists. They, 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 no, they have the name Dean Frizz or, as the name listed on it. Oh. Uh, oh, no, that's Agnes. Eight. Oh, age 16 and 22. I didn't realize 22. Yeah. Dean Frizz was also uh, works in the electrical department. <laughs> And he's a camera Hope, person. Hopefully not with any defibrillators, considering how that well that turns out for him. Can I just say the the moment that Kelly decides that she can beat Agnes by warming up the pads and frying her <laughs> face, I didn't stop laughing. I'm like, that is just that's poor. That was a poor choice. And this whole movie has that attitude. We're in a hospital. Well, what can we do? Let's use the defibrillator because it's lying here. We'll put someone's severed head on top of a Christmas tree. We'll just, you know, I felt like this was a laundry list of misdeeds you could do with Christmas things. And that's all fine and well. Don't, I'm not offended. Like I said last podcast, I kind of like a little darkness with my holidays. But it didn't cohere at all. I did not get the portrait of a killer or killers in this. It made no sense. Why would Agnes and Billy be killing sorority girls? Why wouldn't they be killing each other? Yeah, why were they partners in crime after Billy ate her eye? And what was with his thing with eating eyes? I just, uh, that was, uh, we already talked about why the movie did eyes, but I never understood his thing with eyes other than, is it like an Oedipal thing? He had sex with his mother, so he's eating other people's eyes? Well, you know, and he did like the uh, Christmas cookies. It comes once a year. I guess it's just like a tradition. (laughs) Some people have, you know, turkeys, eggnog, you know, this guy, you you throw in a little... uh, Sclera and Iris. Yeah. I couldn't figure out why the brother and sister, father, daughter, <laughs> Chinatown again, uh, why, why they were working together either. I got that they came home for Christmas. And we're talking about how uh, this movie takes a lot of Christmas iconography and does stuff with it. I thought he comes home for Christmas is why they both came home to the sorority house and killed the girls there. That's all I took it for because of everything else in the movie with Christmas. And that would work fine if you establish the sister is already being in the house. But this sister wasn't, right? I mean... The sister was in the house. Was she just living in the walls? The whole time? I, I don't know when she got there because I thought they were flashing back that besides the flashbacks to Billy's childhood, I thought the breakout of this insane asylum was also a flashback until I figured out there's two people in the house. Well, the other thing is if... Agnes was in that house for whatever reason. I mean, I I don't think Billy picked up the phone and said, Agnes, it's me, Billy. I'm coming home. Start killing people for me. (laughs) So, I mean, how did Agnes know to start killing then? It's not like every year at the sorority house, some girls go missing. You know, I I, I think I can answer that, too, in that every year they said that Billy tries to escape and the murders happened of the parents on Christmas. So if anything was going to trigger it in her, it would be Christmas. She's coming home for Christmas to kill. 
That's what I got from it. But why did she come home? I got why Billy came home. But how did Agnes know this was the Christmas Billy would actually escape? Right. You you have to keep in mind that this has been a sorority since 1993. It's now presumably the year of this movie's release, 2006. For 13 years, she had some options. And she decided <laughs> to just start going and taking pins and bags to girls the exact same year that Billy happens to break out. I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. And this only would have made sense if A, Agnes was one of the sorority sisters, and B, Billy's release triggered something. Yes, I agree. It was a huge mistake not to make it one of the girls. A huge mistake. And another thing that's aggravating is if she's the one scampering around through the walls and the crawl spaces and all that, that makes no sense because she was the child that got to roam free. It was Billy was the one that was incarcerated. But truthfully, we don't know when one is killing and the other one is. I mean, I had no idea the different deaths as done by Agnes as by Billy. And that was the point, right? That was they're trying to misdirect you that Agnes was in the house. That's The way you could tell is if the hands were yellow, honestly. Because you see the hands, and if the hands weren't yellow, it was Agnes. Okay. Well, sure. That's how I could tell. Because they'd always show the hand of the killer, and it was never a question of what color that hand was. So Agnes did the majority of killing. Okay. okay. Well, go girl. <laughs> or guy. Or whatever <laughs> yeah. you are. Yes. Go, go, go child of God. <laughs> In a bad fright wig. Oh, uh, yes. It was something. You mentioned earlier that you felt this was kind of scream, and I was wondering how can they do a the killer is in the house in the 21st century? I actually kind of liked some of the things when, like, the prank phone calls start coming and somebody goes, you star six nine. And they're like, well, that just calls him back unless there's something you need him to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> that, that got a good laugh out of me. And it was helpful for him to actually use the cells of the people he killed last or yep. she killed last. I thought that that was a very clever way of catching it because that was the thing I was most curious about is if they are going to keep the idea that the killer is calling them from inside the house, how are they not going to find that out? And that was sort of a neat way of doing it. I, I applaud completely him agree. I completely agree with you. I thought that was a really great way to adopt it. And when you talk about remakes a lot, what do you do to make it, you know, the same kind of thing but different? When you modernize it, that's, I thought that was one great way that they chose to modernize the story. They, they would fool me every now and then. There's, you know, Lacey goes outside and there's giant icicles hanging from the eaves. And, of course, you think, well, this is how she's going to get it. But they save that one. They wait and they give that to uh, Mrs. Mack. I thought that was a nice surprise that she got it under the house rather than right there in the moment with the icicle. Uh, there was a little bit of delay response. But I can honestly say most of the time it was pretty predictable where – this thing was headed. Mrs. Mack's death was my favorite of the movie. Those two deaths in the car and the car just kind of explodes blood where it just is everywhere at once. And then Miss Mack gets it. I think that that ranks as my favorite kill of the whole movie. My favorite one was the car as well, because I loved how it was done and how it was a burst of blood. I felt ripped off by Mrs. Mack's because I thought it was a mistake. I didn't see it was a murder. I thought she just died because of a faulty, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time with an icicle falling through her head. You thought that was a murder? Did someone throw the icicle at her? Did someone shake it? I thought she knocked herself into the whatever that was, and it fell on her. I didn't see it as a murder. Well, these are the Final Destination people, so they love setting up these booby traps. <laughs> there you go. I think you're right. I think that was a holdover from, like, they had a very special Christmas edition of Final Destination they wanted to do. 
and they just stuck in here. Because, yeah, Brock, you probably haven't seen Final Destination, but they love doing these lingering shots, and you think this is what's going to kill somebody, and then it doesn't. Yeah. And you think that's what's going to kill somebody, and then it doesn't, and then it is. I, I saw the first Final Destination, just for the record, and I don't remember. Oh, okay. So, okay. I felt ripped off by that death, but I liked Andrea Martin. So, well, I meant I meant the whole overall thing. Yeah, the car was really what put it over the top. I can't remember who was in the car, but she exploded like a water balloon. And Mary I Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, Mary Elizabeth. Yeah. We talked before about how we don't know which girl was which. I saw Michelle Trachtenberg get the ice skate in the back of the head, but at the end of the movie, I'm like, wait a minute, did Michelle Trachtenberg survive? I don't remember her getting killed. I had to rewind and watch the movie because I forgot she was the one who got the ice skate in the back of the head. And I thought that was a, like, uh, a cut scene. I was like, hey, I wonder if her death was cut for time. That's how convinced I was she didn't die after I w- just watched her die 20 minutes earlier. Yeah, I guess that the makers of this film have seen Disney's Ice Princess and decided <laughs> that's how Michelle Trachtenberg needed to go. <laughs> that's right. It's like, no sequel for you. We don't want to watch that anymore. Our daughters watch it too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why else would you give her an ice skate to the head? I mean, Michelle Trachtenberg. Yeah, and all the deaths, I've got to say, you're citing them as you enjoy them, but, uh, you know, I didn't. Any of them. Not, not a single one. I felt like all of them were comical, but not in a good way. Like, oh, Overly broad, a candy cane, an ice skate. Uh, you mentioned Final Destination, and now I get it. It's like, oh, of course, that's the whole joke of that series. Is it's outlandish. It's like these innocent household items, when stacked together in a Rube Goldberg, become this mechanization of death. And I guess that's what they were going for here. But I just, I don't know. That's not. You won't catch me on the Final Destination series. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> So you didn't enjoy this, even though this movie's full of cliches and full of outlandish deaths and all those kind of things, you, you couldn't find any enjoyment of how this movie was done at all. I think I decided that I liked the cell phone bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Fire. Fire. But uh, no, I mean, by and large, I can honestly say I didn't enjoy much at all with this movie. And, and it, it pales compared to the original. I got to say, did you guys think... Because there certainly was an opportunity for just a second in the beginning that this was going to be a sequel and not a remake. Because when we found out that there was going to be about Billy and all of that, I actually – and that there had been murders in the house before. You know, Mrs. Mack is talking about Billy and he used to be here and pe- and people died. I thought for sure they were going to tie it back to Olivia Hussey and Margot Kidder and all of that. And I thought how cool would that have been? If they had played it that way instead of this outlandish rubes living in the sorority house melodrama. I thought that they might have, honestly. I, another whole thing, I, even though we'd already agreed to watch this movie before I watched the original, I just dove into this remake going, they got to tell me something about Billy and Agnes this time. God damn it. I've got to find something out, whether it's a remake with a better ending or whether they do a, you know, uh, this is later, but it references back. I wasn't sure, but I kind of felt going in, it was going to be a straight remake. So I didn't expect much in the way of that. And no, I, I, I almost wish they'd done a little bit more of it. More yeah, of I, a remake or more of a sequel? More of callbacks to the original, okay. you know? Well, they have them, but in a sly, screamy way. I mean, like, they do the thing that they did in the original movie. Uh, in the original, Olivia Hussey is watching some car- carolers. At the same time, Margot Kidder is getting it upstairs, and she can't hear them because of the Christmas songs. Here, it's happening in the hospital, and the carolers are at the nurse station while... Uh, 
what's her name? The chick that lives. I don't even care. Is pressing the emergency <laughs> call button. Uh, you know, but I felt like anytime they were doing it, it, it wasn't as good as the original. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that, too. I mean, I did kind of laugh when they brought out the unicorn statue again. But, you know, they didn't use it. I thought they used the... Or tried to use the unicorn as a stabbing weapon upstairs in the attic at the end. No, they did. The drunk girl got it in the eyes. I guess when I said they didn't use it, I mean they didn't they didn't do anything new with it. Oh, oh. But I, I did like that Billy ended up being a tree topper. Yeah. I hated I, it. I hated that. I thought the movie should have ended in the house with the fire. I, I when they went to Dakota in the hospital, I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay, they're going now into Halloween two territory and while I love the impaling at the end of the, uh, and the Christmas tree because of all the other stuff they did with Christmas trees and Christmas imagery and Christmas symbols in the movie, I kind of liked that they used the Christmas tree uh, tree topper as a death there. I kind of I kind of thought that was we talked about satire before uh, in other podcasts with horror movies. I thought that was you know did a good job of using the icon of the Christmas season better than earlier in the attic with putting eyeballs in the tree. I, I thought put, impaling him on a star was a better, better choice. It's better than getting a defibrillator in the face and melting. I'll give you that. Okay. I, I don't know. It's almost a little too... <laughs> on the nose, I think, is the expression. Yes. Yeah, it, it's satire by way of, like, Looney Tunes <laughs> instead of anything <laughs> clever. So, now, you said it should have ended earlier. I did read on Wikipedia that, for some reason, in the UK, the film ends after Agnes dies and Billy is left his fate unknown. And in the US, they then added the whole Billy following kelly to the ward and chasing her i thought the house in the you know when the house caught fire that could have been the ending for them but like one of those the killer dies in the fire at the end of the movies but it gives them a chance for a sequel kind of death that's what i thought they could have done and they had the hospital coda so i didn't need the hospital at all and i did like conceptually what they were doing with the house they were making it a character by making the killers know the inside so well that they could actually crawl around inside of it and anticipate and pop out in surprising places but they just did it so badly i mean attack falls out of a wall and he's using it as a peephole attack hole a tackle. He goes in the bathroom and pushes back the bathroom tiles. I'm like, I'm sorry, but if a communal bathroom for girls has not properly sealed floor tiles, that thing will be soggy and sinking <laughs> in a matter of days. <laughs> I was wondering, too, like she almost stepped on one of the floor tiles. I'm like, nobody's noticing there's holes in the floor. <laughs> I mean, really? really? I mean, I, I know that that would probably fly in a frat house, but in the sorority, eh, eh, no way. Yeah, I mean, she was drunk at all, but holes in the floor. Multiple, not just one at a time. Guys are pigs. They would have totally tolerated that. But no, <laughs> I just don't believe that these prisses would have enjoyed and accepted that. Not these girls, anyway. I liked mm. I liked the visual, though, um, when she was in the shower, the little thing popped up. I thought that was a cool visual. Um, but- ah, I never even caught a double entendre. It popped up in the shower. Pretty so, amazing. Arnie, bro. <laughs> So uh, I almost called myself out. So, Stuart, Arnie, do you recommend the remake of Black Christmas? Stuart? Uh, Of course I don't. Um, Not unless unless you want to learn about the plight of the yellow-skinned. Really, there's there's no other real learning. You're not referring to Asians. I'm not. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I never refer to Asians as yellow-skinned. I'm talking about the banana-hued villain and central protagonist of this story. I feel like, I don't know. It's too much of the other way. If the first movie suffers because we didn't know enough about the killer, 
I at least could appreciate that I liked the girls. Here I don't like the girls and I get way too much of the killer. And I get too way too much of his depravity and misdeeds and all of that. And I ugh, no, I didn't want to watch that. So long story short, the original still has admirable bits that I can enjoy. This one just cherry picked the best bits and then threw in a bunch of other garbage. And I I couldn't recommend it to anybody. No, a strong not recommend for Black Christmas 2006. Arnie? I'm going to have to agree with Stuart in that the first movie I may have seen, and I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but I respected it in the morning. This movie I have absolutely <laughs> no respect for. You know, it, it's just, yeah. it is trashy. It is trash film. It's got its comedic moments. When I said I enjoyed something, it means it got a laugh out of me. This movie's not in any way scary. The first movie actually succeeded in being somewhat unsettling with the phone calls and everything. This movie had none of it. It had a few laughs, but certainly not enough to recommend. This will go down on my list as something I may watch again as a guilty pleasure. And so bad, I'm somewhat enjoying it. I mean, it's ridiculous. A yellow-skinned banana boy is eating his mother for Christmas cookies. You know, it's unbelievably bad. It's on the level of Halloween 3 and Friday the 13th Part 8. But I watch those films again and again. I'll probably watch this one again and again. But I don't recommend you do, listener. (laughs) I have to agree. I I can't recommend this movie, but I had some fun with it. I I did enjoy the cheesiness of it. I did enjoy some of the kills. I did enjoy some of the acting. I saw some bright spots. I had more fun with this movie than I did the first one. I kind of liked a lot of the slasher elements the problem i had with it was there's too much backstory i wasn't bored like i was last time uh, the first time but with too much backstory and then by the time i got to the end i didn't really care and this and that so yes for all the parts that i did enjoy and i had a better time with it uh, i don't recommend it but i do see it as a guilty pleasure and i i did kind of enjoy how how bad it was <laughs> but it wasn't like star trek 5 you know like in the first half of star trek 5 when you really enjoyed how bad it was and you couldn't believe what you were watching and you had to keep watching it to see how bad it gets like flash gordon you know but but it's certainly it is not that <laughs> so i'm not recommending it but you know it has its moments it, it, and it really does have the hallmarks of the early final destination films You know, if you like Final Destination 3, you're probably going to find something here to enjoy, even though it doesn't have the weird Rube Goldberg devices. But it's got a lot of those hallmarks coming back. And so use that as your barometer. If you've seen Final Destination and you didn't walk away going, well, that was a pile of shit I wish I could forget. (laughs) Which I did. (laughs) Then you might want to watch this. And I'm I'm a fan of the Final Destination series. So So let me me see if I can clarify these recommends. I'm strongly not recommend on both Final Destination and this. And you guys as pseudo Final Destination bad movie guilty pleasure lovers – found a little but a not enough to enjoy this yep. yeah I'm, I'm right there it's it's a it's not a very it's not a strong not recommend but it's not like i'm not in the teetering towards liking it to the point of recommendation but yeah it's it's you know it's right there what's funny for me is that this, these two movies almost epitomize the hard decision of the binary system of recommend and not recommend for now playing. Because the last one, again, I did respect it. I thought it had a lot of things going for it, especially for the time. But I had no enjoyment. Here, I enjoyed it. But my God, it's just, it's like I had to do the walk of shame after watching it. So I just... (laughs) 
yeah, I have to agree. Like, I, I did enjoy a lot of, of some of this movie. I did, but just not enough to recommend it. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Now, it's time for the listener to go recommend us at podcastawards.com. If you haven't done it while listening, you should have. And you need to go right now, podcastawards.com. Vote for Now Playing. And also, while you're there, there's a little podcast called Star Wars Action News that also could use your votes. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we're not competing in any of the same categories, and you can do it all with just a couple clicks. I'm writing a list and checking it twice, and if you don't vote for us, no leprechaun. All right? No leprechaun. Is Leprechaun back on the table if we win? Is Leprechaun going to happen if we win? I want to go on the record saying I don't want to give that as a carrot. You know, our time is valuable, folks. And (laughs) there are five or six of those Leprechaun movies, and I haven't seen any of them. But I can tell you from the commercials that I don't think any of them are worth any amount of time for us to review. But, I mean, you know, I recently have been doing a poll of our listeners, and I've gotten a lot of suggestions as to films. And, yes, some people do want to see Leprechaun. Other people want us to do more, you know, things like Psycho or Jaws or Hannibal Lecter. I I would be willing to open it up, and if we won, whatever the listeners uniformly vote as highest, open ballot. I'm cool to that. That sounds good to me. But we can only do that. If yeah. you give us what we want, then we'll give you what you want. All right, guys. But just, just, just as, a, as a warning, that means they can come back and say we want an earnest retrospective. And we're going to sit here and talk about Ernest Scared Stupid and, and Ernest Goes to Camp. But we'll be doing so as award-winning podcasters. Okay, okay wanna... Fern. I, okay. I will do it. <laughs> and you know what? I haven't seen all of them, and I'm looking forward to watching it. If that's what the <laughs> listeners want. I trust our listeners not to torture us. I agree. I don't, yes. I don't foresee any Police Academy retrospectives in our future. <laughs> Although one person did ask where it was because Brock made that joke. Yes, well, you know. <laughs> it's right it's there dry, with Lepcon in the alternate reality where we do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it, we will we will do whatever you want, and it will be a bonus. We're going to continue doing our schedule, but if we win, we will do this as a bonus thank you to our listeners. As Jacob said during the last Rambo, it's the only award series where you, the voter, actually could win. Because we're going to give back to you. We're bribing you. Now go vote, please. <laughs> I like how you just call it out. That's just really good. Because that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, we're already, like, wetting the plate, right? We sat through Black Christmas. <laughs> the sequel with the yellow villain. <laughs> I'm getting hungry again, guys. I'm out of raisin nuts. <laughs> oh, yes. There's also a donate button on the homepage. <laughs> I'm starting to look at my mother and think about Christmas cookies. So... <laughs> But right now, please vote. And they all came out uniformly, too. I mean, I haven't sure if you guys ever made Christmas cookies, but they don't all come out that perfect. Well, have you made them out of skin? Uh, you know, I haven't. I haven't. Well, there you go. That's that's the missing ingredient of your sugar cookie recipe is flesh. <laughs> Clearly, though, Billy's was love. He didn't put any love in his. Anyway, so thanks for listening to our Black Christmas mini-spective whatever you want to call it. And Brock, you and I will be back weekend of release for Tron Legacy. I'll have my data disc ready. My light cycle is revved. And I think Jacob has his neon frisbee. I hope so. And his black light clothing. (laughs) I just found out Clue makes his triumphant return. I'm excited for the return of Clue. Really? I didn't know that. It's an ad on Facebook that comes up on the side. Who is Clue? And it shows the current movie. Really? Oh, I just ignore those ads completely. I don't even... Except the one that says, hey, now playing. I saw that one, (laughs) but uh, I usually ignore those ads. All right. Well, thank you, listeners. Podcastawards.com is the link. 
please go vote and we thank you and we hope you've enjoyed our little plate of Christmas cookies for you. <laughs> and we'll talk to you real soon with Tron Legacy. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to this now-playing podcast movie review. Put the Christmas music back on. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You just want to feel at home, especially on Christmas. If you enjoyed this show, please tell others. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. Peter, you're not going to tell me what I can and cannot do. Want to hear more reviews like this one? You can find hundreds of other movie reviews at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Listen, you pervert, why don't you go over to Lamb of Kai? They could use a little of this. In our archives, listen to our hosts discuss horror, sci-fi, action, and more. He's probably listening to us right now. Come back each week for another new show. Would you give me the number? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, fellatio... 20880. Now playing relies on listener support to keep operating. For all, like, my family now. Details can be found by clicking the banner at the top of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Could you just give it to me one time? You can also follow Now Playing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There, the hosts post new episode announcements, movie reviews, and contests, where you can win movies and soundtracks. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube for original video content. Just spread out and follow that. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. That sucks. Everyone should be home for Christmas. Now Playing credits read by Brock. That, that fucking voice. That was the fucking devil, okay? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I really don't think you should provoke somebody like that, Barb. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. Agnes, don't you tell what we did, Agnes. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. So he went down to the police station with Phil and Bob. What happened? They didn't take it seriously. Why? I don't know. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of, and may not be used without the expressed written permission of, Venganza Media Incorporated. I will bring you to your knees. You beg for mercy? Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2010, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Fuck Christmas. Fuck it. Chalbert. Or is it, is it Lacey Chalbert? There's no L. So Lacey Only in Ch- Canada. <laughs> A. Lacey Chabert. Chabert? The chick from Seventh Heaven. No, she wasn't in Seventh Heaven. She was Party of Five. Party of Five, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. The fact that both of you know that. Okay. Uh, Lacey. Ch- I know her from Mean Girls. Okay. Lacey Chabert. Chabert? 
Chabert. Come on, guys, help Chabert. me out here. Right. I thought it was Ch- I thought it was Chabert, but I don't know. All right. I'm look. All right. I clicked on her name, and there's no pronunciation. Hold on. Lacey Chabert interview. <laughs> she was a little girl, right? On the on Party of Five. Yes, she was the non Nev Campbell girl. <laughs> Hold on. Chabert. 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 This is Brock Ho 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 Co host of Now Playing. You screw that up. You really should. You should do Co Ho Ho Host. (laughs) Yeah, you knew what you meant to do. Yeah, do that again. And we're just hoping that you will take this gift and return it. Not return it. (laughs) (laughs) Return the paper. (laughs) We have a receipt for you, so it should be no problem. Consider it a cyber lump of coal in your stocking. And and do in L.A. I'm sorry, yeah. they, dogs have the cars drive the dogs drive better cars than I do. I thought you were going to say in L.A. dog drive you. <laughs> <laughs> Yakov Smirnov can vote every day. <laughs> From the, I don't know, are we doing a plot summary? Or are we skipping it? No, I got yes. one. Okay, uh, big, is it in get, rhyming couplet? It no. better be. Uh, be- <laughs> and that drunk one you liked is named Crystal Low. I'm wondering if she's Rob's progeny. I don't know. That sounds like a porn name to me. <laughs> Crystal Low. Well, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Crystal Blow. Yes. There, there you go.